Welcome inside another episode of A Call Away. Adam Giardino, broadcaster for the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees here with you. And we've got plenty to get to this week. We're going to run through some of the highlights this past week up here in AAA. Rail Riders part of a five-game win streak. A couple of extra inning victories and a couple of blowout wins as the Rail Riders knocked off their in-division rival Syracuse Mets for a three-game sweep. We've got a conversation with Brad Miller, somebody that the Yankees added after the season had begun. He's had some big hits for Scranton-Wilkes-Barre this season and getting to know a little bit about him in his first time in the Yankees organization. We'll have Adam Marco, the voice of the Rail Riders, on as well for some broadcast banter. We'll take a closer look at Chance Adams and what he's been doing, whether or not we'll see Chance get up to the big leagues. We'll talk about Chad Green, who's done everything that could have been expected of him in terms of a results standpoint with a couple of appearances down here in AAA. And then it's the return of Mike Ford, 10 games up in the big leagues. And though the average sits under 200 for Ford up there, I think it was a wildly more successful big league debut than maybe that number would otherwise indicate. Speaking of Chance Adams, we have a conversation with Chance down the pike as well. First time we've had a chance to have him on the radio pregame show as our guest. And then we'll get some reports from down on the farm with the other minor league broadcasters. Matt Dean of Single A Charleston, Nick Flamia of High A Tampa, John Moses of Double A Trenton, and our very own Adam Marco will be on later as well with a report from here in Scranton. So let's jump into the highlights and we'll start checking in as of Wednesday. The first couple of games of last week were losses at the hands of the Rochester Red Wings, AAA affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. But on Wednesday, the Rail Riders had a real thrilling victory. They had a 4-1 lead going into the sixth inning, but then Rochester slowly chipped away. The Red Wings got a run in the sixth, a run in the eighth, a run in the ninth. And so they tied it with two outs in the ninth inning, which forced extras. And the way that the minors work, you get the extra pace of play, pitch saver runner in the 10th inning. And so with a runner aboard, Caleb Ort was on the mound for Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. He was making his AAA debut. And on the third pitch he threw, Luke Raley turned it around onto the Berman right center field for a two-run homer. So Rochester led 6-4 going to the bottom of the 10th. And again, with that two-run lead, the pace of play runner is important, but you need a little bit more than that in order to get the job done. So Brad Miller stood at second base, and the first man up for Scranton-Wilkes-Barre in the inning Going up against Preston Gilmet, it was Trey Ambergy. The McBroom to Zayner combination that's been the bread and butter tonight. The 1-1, line towards center field, and that will touch the grass and skip past the center fielder, Andrioli. Ambergy, rounding second, one run's going to score. Trey headed to third, no slide. The Rail Riders down 6-5, tying run at third base here in the bottom of the 10th inning, and no one out. So the key for the Rail Riders, not only getting that run home, you're back to within a run, but the misplay by John Andrioli in center field allowed Ambergy to be at third base instead of first. That changed the complexion of the inning entirely. And as Ambergy, the tying run was 90 feet away with nobody out, it brought up Gozke Coteau. Here's the pitch. Gozke out towards right center field. That will find the grass. Skip past Andrioli. Ambergy scores. And it's six all here in the bottom half of the 10th inning. Pretty good swing by Goske, enough to tie it. He was at first. The defense was playing no doubles defense up the gap. And, well, Ryan McBroom decided that if the defense was going to try to take an extra base hit away, he would just take the defense out of the equation entirely. Here's the 2-1. High fly to left field. This is over. 
Ryan McBroom, a walk-off two-run blast. It's an 8-6 final. Scranton Wilkesbury, the walk-off win. What a night for a Rail Riders victory. Walk-off home run snapped a skid for the Rail Riders that, going into the night, they had lost 8 of 10 games. But then, Scranton Wilkesbury tried to build some momentum. In the series finale on Thursday against Rochester, the Rail Riders trailed 3 nothing early. But in the bottom of the fourth inning, Scranton Wilkesbury hung three runs on the board against Rochester, including the sixth homer of the year from Ghost K. Coteau. That's a team best sixth home run of the year. So the game was tied at three into the bottom of the fifth inning, and with a runner in scoring position, Coteau had previously doubled, it brought up Ryan McBroom. Runner on at second, nobody out, 3-3. Here's the 2-2 to McBroom, line towards left field. Chasing after it goes Wade Jr. Coteau's going to score. It's an RBI single for Ryan McBroom continuing to rake against the Red Wings. The Rail Riders grabbed the lead 4-3, and they didn't look back en route to a 7-3 victory over Rochester. David Hale gets the win. Five and two-thirds innings and two earned runs allowed. Hale improves to 3-0 with an ERA of 2.5. When he woke up the next day, he found himself third in the International League in ERA. So the team earns that split, four-game split of Rochester with back-to-back wins on Wednesday, Thursday. Friday morning, they wake up, they hop on a bus, and they drive about two hours north to Syracuse. And Scranton Wilkesbury slowly, methodically builds their lead with a combination of Chad Green and Drew Hutchison on the mound. Real Riders put a run in the first, run in the second, one more in the fifth and the sixth. So it was 4 nothing before Syracuse ultimately scored their only run of the game. It was in the bottom of the seventh inning when a wild pitch from Drew Hutchison brought home Luis Guillorme to make it 4-1. But again, that was the only run Syracuse would muster. Scranton Wilkesbury played it two in the eighth, and then in the ninth inning, Cliff Pennington began the inning with an infield single, and the next two men up were Ghost K. Coteau and Ryan McBroom. Here's the 2-0 home. Coteau, high fly to right field. Blanco to the warning track, the wall. It's out of here. Seventh home run of the year for Ghost K. Coteau. Homers in back-to-back games for the Rail Riders infielder. And it's an 8-1 advantage here in the ninth inning. McBroom high fly towards left field. On the way back, Gomez. Warning track, wall. Back-to-back, get out of here. Ryan McBroom's sixth home run. Not letting Ghost K. get too far ahead. That capped the scoring in a 9-1 victory and got Scranton Wilkesbury off on the right foot to begin the series against Syracuse. On Saturday, the Rail Riders looked to extend it to a four-game win streak. They played a two runs in the top of the second, and then Nestor Cortez took over. The left-hander from Hialeah, Florida, brought a no-hitter into the bottom of the eighth inning. While he was approaching 100 pitches, he was able to retire the first man of the eighth, David Thompson, on a flare to the second baseman, Miller. The next man up was Rene Rivera. He got ahead 0-1, issued three straight pitches out of the zone, and then on the 107th and final pitch of the night, Rivera reached out and lined a base hit to left field. So seven and a third no-hit innings before being broken up by Rivera, and as Nestor Cortez walked off, there was a smattering of Yankee fans in the crowd, but beyond that, it was a full 4,800 in attendance that gave Cortez a standing ovation, appreciating the effort that he was able to give that night against their hometown team. As he walked off, J.P. Fireisen took over, and Fireisen struck out two men to end the eighth inning. But in the bottom of the ninth inning, it was still only a 2-0 lead 
So with one out, when Luis Guillorme walked, it brought up Carlos Gomez, the two-time Major League All-Star, and he homered to left center field, and that forced extras. In the 10th inning, with that pitch saver runner at second, the first pitch in the bottom of the 10th was to Mandy Alvarez, and he went up there hacking. Syracuse anticipating the sacrifice bunt. We haven't tried it yet. We won't hear. Alvarez swings, drills it down the right field corner. That drops in fair. Higashioka's going to score. Alvarez wants second. Mandy looks back, checks the right field corner, holds up, stand up, double. And the Rail Riders, one pitch in to the top half of the 10th inning, take a 3-2 lead. So a double for Alvarez, who scored on a double from Matt Lipka later in the inning. Two runs for Scranton Wilkes-Barre and a 4-2 victory over the Syracuse Mets. That brings us to Sunday. And boy, what can we say about Sunday? A knuckleballer, Mickey Janis, was on the mound for Syracuse, and the Rail Riders were just ready to attack. Three and a third innings from Janis, 12 hits, two walks, 14 runs, 10 earned runs. And the big swing came in the fourth inning, but the bases loaded, and Kyle Higashioka, who had already homered, and who had already driven in three runs on the game, came to the plate. But he's 0-2 here against the knuckleballer. The pitch, swing and a fly ball left field. Tebow hustles back. He's ranging on the track at the wall. He leaps, and Tim Tebow doesn't make the catch. It's a grand slam for Kyle Higashioka. A majestic high fly ball that just evades the former Heisman Trophy winner. The seven runs batted in matched a career high for Higashioka, and the Rail Riders used all that offense to cruise to a 14-3 victory on Sunday. One of the men that we mentioned periodically throughout those highlights is infielder Brad Miller. He's getting some time in the outfield as well, improving his versatility to make him more valuable in case of a call-up to New York. The 29-year-old has spent plenty of time in the big leagues this season with Cleveland, previously with Seattle and Tampa Bay. And the first thing we wanted to know from Brad was, what has it been like for him acclimating himself into the Yankees organization? It's good. You know, it's really only been about five days, you know, or six days. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm excited. Um, you know, we got a really good group of guys here and, uh, you know, a lot of energy. And, um, you know, it's been fun. It's been fun to get back out there on the field and uh, get to work. I know you've changed teams a couple of times throughout your career. What is the hardest part about that transition for you? I think really the hardest part is just like the travel or, you know, getting to know people, um, you know, remembering all the names. I think, you know, I want to, you know, come in wherever I'm at and I want to I want to engage with people. I want to, you know, get to know people and, and be a part of the team. And um, so that's really the hardest part is just, you know, getting comfortable. It takes a couple of days, you know, where you're comfortable with everybody's name and, and all that but um besides that you know you just go out and play baseball you know and, and get to work so that i think that's the easy part per se is just or, or the part that's comfortable is like you know baseball is the same everywhere um but uh yeah just getting settled a little bit is probably the hardest part help the fans get to know you as a player a little bit how would you describe brad miller's game um i don't know shoot i, I like to go play hard you know um, I think that's kind of as a player, like what I always focus on is is being aggressive, you know, on both sides of the ball and on the bases and, you know, letting the chips fall where they may. But, um, you know, I'm excited tonight getting to play a little left field, um, you know, got to in spring training with the Dodgers and, uh, you know, feel uh, like, you know, I can definitely play all over the park. So um, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I was going to say you. 
played a lot of infield throughout your career, uh, but you know, here playing some outfield for the first time in a little while, what is that kind of transition going back and forth? Do, do you like it, and, and do you have to get into a different mindset when you're at, say, second base as opposed to left field? Not really. You know, I think that's part of. Uh, you know, once I got to the big leagues and started moving around, I mean, it just is, is part of it. You know, you go and you, you try to, to play your best uh, wherever you're at. And, you know, now I think having done it before in the past, you know, maybe the first time in 2014 when I moved around a lot, you know, maybe that was definitely kind of a culture shock. But, you know, now I, I hopefully, uh, you know, I use those experiences to my advantage. And now, you know, I told <clears throat> I told Jay, I said, hey, you know, I, I can play anywhere. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to, you know give me any advance like I'm just ready to go ready to play anywhere so you're on the pregame show with Brad Miller and a couple nights ago in the suspended game against Syracuse you hit a home run that Statcast had at 482 feet uh, out of the ballpark can you just what was that like at the plate what was that at bat that pitched it what, what do you remember about that it was cool yeah <laughs> no uh yeah, just uh, honestly, um, you know, trying to get on a fastball and, and was glad I made the adjustment and was able to, to get on it. He had uh, kind of gotten my kitchen a couple pitches in a row. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, I was pretty excited and, uh, you know, gave it kind of my best shot, you know, my, my best bolt. And, um, you know, I got out of there. And, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty exciting. But just happy I made a, made a good adjustment and was able to kind of do what I wanted to do in my mind. Um, that's how you draw it up. And obviously, you've spent a lot of time in the big leagues, and and the goal, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing, is to get back to that as as soon as you can. But is there anything you're working on specifically in in terms of developing your game in your time here in Scranton? Yeah, I think I, I work on it regardless of where I'm at. You know, same kind of deal is uh, just you know, hitting is is really hard, and you know, the game of baseball is. Definitely, you know, we try to simplify it, but it's not easy. So I think it's just the same things I always focus on, regardless of kind of what uniform I'm wearing, um, you know, where I'm at, city to city, and, um, you know, getting to the ballpark and trying to, you know, be the best player I can for my team. And, and it's pretty pretty simple. It's not easy all the time, and it's definitely frustrating at times, you know, but uh, I think it's all part of it. And, um, you know, it's just all part of being a baseball player. Welcome back inside A Call Away. Adam Giardino with you. It's time for some broadcast banter. And every week, that means, of course, my broadcast partner, the voice of the Rail Riders, Adam Marco. We've got some topics to hit this week. We're going to talk some Chance Adams and, in some respects, talk a little Jonathan Loisica with a couple of guys in the Rail Riders. Starting rotation, 40-man roster guys, who's going up, who's staying put. Chad Green's also made another appearance since we last spoke. He pitched great, and the return of Mike Ford. Ford is back here in AAA after about 10 games, a pretty fair performance for the New York Yankees. So with that, Adam, we welcome you in. And for Chance Adams, I think he's looking on and seeing another 40-man roster guy in Jonathan Loisega going up and down, getting his opportunity in New York. Adams, of course, pitched last year at the end of the year for the Yankees, got his big league debut. But... From where we sit, it seems like Adams is starting to settle into 2019. Uh, what are you really seeing out of chance to this point in the year? I think he's had a couple of starts where you can really see where he was in August of last year. But I also see a few starts that remind me more of April and May as he's getting into the full swing of this 2019 season. I think I'm a little bit surprised that it's been Loisiga to go up and back a few times 
And now we'll see with the status of James Paxton that it hasn't been another opportunity for Chance Adams. And it might show you that he's been passed up a little bit by Loisaga when it comes to the eyes of the Yankees. And what does he have to do to get that opportunity? Because we've seen a few really good starts in his last couple of outings from Chance that would stand out and say, he deserves that opportunity. I don't think there's anyone who could tell you he doesn't deserve that second chance in the major leagues. I'm somewhat perplexed, quite honestly, about what it would take with all of the injuries they've had. The pitching staff, all things considered, the starting rotation has been maybe the one rock for this organization. The bullpen has been a little bit shaky at times for the Yankees, and maybe that's not something they anticipated, but... You got CC back. You had your five-man rotation with Domingo Armand pitching like Luis Severino did last year yeah. at this time. So it filled that void that maybe Adams could have filled. And who knows? Maybe it's Loisca the opportunity to go up and stay up for a little bit longer now. It would benefit him. I think he has suffered because he hasn't had the chance, no pun, to stay up there and just be in a consistent spot for a couple of weeks at a, at a time. He gets to Scranton, he's back to New York. And I'm not saying he's complaining about that second part, but I don't think there's enough consistency for Loisiger right now to be a strong factor in both places without being somewhere for at least 5, 10, 15 days at once. One of the things you mentioned in there was the bullpen for New York, and that was supposed to be the best bullpen in Major League Baseball history when the year began. And, of course, factoring into that equation was standard performance from Chad Green. And standard performance over the last year, two years for Chad Green, has been an ERA hovering right around two. And instead, through 10 appearances, it was an ERA hovering around 16 for Green. Now, he was sent back down. We talked about it last week. He made one appearance with the Rail Riders, looked great. His most recent appearance came against the Syracuse Mets and I would argue he looked even better this time around. He really did and it was impressive to watch him go out and pitch and I often wonder guys that come back to AAA guys that are coming back here to work on mechanics or to work something out if it's not just a flare, your numbers aren't good we need you to come back we need you to get these better and we'll give you an opportunity later maybe or maybe not I often wonder at the major league level how much they are looking at a guy's mechanics and how much they can really impact him there. He'll, he's talked about it, that it's difficult to be in a major league setting and try to work through something. If you're established, you have that luxury. If CC were struggling with something, if Aroldis were struggling with something, they work through it at the big league level. The options certainly allow the Yankees to not have to deal with that status update at the major league level you can come back and i know he was working with tommy phelps they were looking at body positioning and arm angles from years ago and where he was putting the glove and how he was going through the motion it seems to me that because they had the luxury of the options for chad green that they didn't have to try to work through it at that big league level and he's been phenomenal i hope you know we get maybe one more look at him I hope he goes back and replicates these numbers because he's been great for the time we've had him. He's been perfect to watch on the field or nearly perfect. So I think whatever they have accomplished here was exactly the goal set out. And 
That's why we do what we do, right? That's why we're here. <laughs> it's to get the guys ready for the major league level, and if they're not, how do we get them back to where they were? It hasn't been 15 up, 15 down for Green. He's allowed a couple of hits but hasn't allowed a run over his five innings of work. And of the 15 outs he's recorded, 11 of them have been strikeouts. So it's been darn near perfect, like you said, for Green in his two appearances with Scranton Wilkesbury. And the other guy that we wanted to talk about here today during broadcast banter is first baseman Mike Ford. He's back with the Rail Riders and had a multi-hit performance in his first game back. Very run-of-the-mill, raised his 400 average even higher after coming back from the big leagues. What did you make of his 10-game stint up with New York? Well, I know you and I differ in one area. You look at his OBP and you see that it's a high on-base percentage. The hits weren't there for Mike. That's the unfortunate side. The batting average was enough, and it was really just an opportunity-based chance for him because no one else was healthy. So the chance for Mike to go up there, get that first blush look at the Major League roster, I would certainly hope that it's not the last time for the New York Yankees. We don't know the status of Greg Bird. We don't know how things are going to shake out. When the Yankees finally get healthy, if the Yankees finally get healthy. So an opportunity for Mike, well-deserved. His numbers this year were phenomenal. It's almost unfortunate in the limited amount of time that he got at the major league level. You know, the moves are starting to trickle back down to scranton Wilkesbury, but I don't think 10 games is enough of a look for a guy to know what you really have in him. We know. The Yankees know. But for the fan base to truly appreciate what they have in a guy like Mike Ford. The luxury of having him back in the organization after he was nearly lost to Seattle last year. Mike's a great guy to be around. He, I think he could be a great clubhouse guy in New York. He's one of those stories that has just kind of grinded his way through the major leagues. A non-drafted free agent, given that big league chance, that's a great story to tell. And for Ford he's just a guy that it is on-base percentage oriented for him, but I think that under 200 average, we'll get a conversation with Mike and have it for the the next week of a call away, but I think that even he would say he probably would have liked to get a couple more hits under his belt, but the results weren't uh, disastrous. They were solid results, a good on-base percentage, and certainly something to build off of. Well, thank you for the time here on Broadcast Banter, and we'll uh, we'll have you on next week as well. That sounds great. <laughs> also great, the interview we did earlier this week with Real Riders starting pitcher Chance Adams. We talked about Chance earlier in this segment, and we'll transition into a conversation we had with him. We wanted to know where Chance felt he was in the grand scheme of things to begin 2019. Uh, just the beginning of the season, just... Uh Trying to get a lot of innings in there and help get quality innings to help the team uh, get some Ws. Second straight start against a similar opponent. What's that like? Do you see them making a lot of adjustments? Is that second start a bit of a, a chess match out there because they've just seen you? Uh, no, no. I just kind of go out there and and uh, just try and hit my spots, you know, and defense is making good plays. So, um, I think that's kind of what helped with the success in the past two starts was just um, uh, having a good game called back there by Kyle and my defense making some good plays behind us and getting the run support we need. 
Kyle is somebody that I've heard from many people, even up in the big leagues, they're saying that he's an excellent defensive catcher. When you're out there, what is that comfort level knowing that he's crouched behind the plate? The comfort level's high. I've known him for a long time, since about high A, so we have a pretty good relationship, good catcher. What does he do specifically then, as a layperson that I am, that you notice that he does that maybe the average fan wouldn't? I have no idea. So in terms of framing, blocking balls, anything like that 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 jumps out to you that makes him somebody that even at the big league level they say he's an excellent defender? Uh, Yeah. He catches the ball really well, and he calls a great game. He's very smart. Chance Adams, our guest here on the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders pregame show. The great defense behind you down at third base, Mandy Alvarez, as we've seen him show off that strong arm from across the diamond. He's somebody that's making his first appearance up in AAA. What have you been impressed with defensively from him? Yeah, he's made some great plays uh, down there at third, uh, you know. You've seen him make those plays across the line and throw it across the diamond. And, uh, you know, he, he always gives us it all. That's one thing I like about him. He uh, He's always trying really hard out there. He's, it doesn't look like he's uh, uh, lazily going to the ball or anything. He's always giving his uh, 100% effort. So I really like that about him. So This team has 11 wins through the early part of the season. Four of them have been walk-off wins, two walk-off home runs just in this homestand alone. What is it like to get that kind of a lift? It's a long season, but obviously a win like last night has to be just a little extra fun. Yeah, it's really cool uh, to have walk-offs, you know, just because they don't happen all that often. Uh, they happen a few times a year, so it's, it's pretty cool to be a part of one when you're, when you're there. So uh, you know, just a good team win. So last night you go up against the Rochester team. Is there a particular batter in the lineup that now you've faced him a couple of times that you have an extra appreciation for? No. So there's nobody? No. All right. When we take a look at your season a year ago when you got up to the big leagues and spent some time up there, this past offseason, what were you able to take from that time in the big leagues and craft your offseason a little differently than you've been able to in the past, knowing what you really need to work on to be successful up there? Um. I just uh, kind of repeated what I did the past off seasons. I just uh, engage in my workout program pretty good. Um, get my throwing in a little after Thanksgiving started up, um, and uh, that's kind of it, really. I just kind of make sure I I keep maintaining my workouts and try mm-hmm. not to miss my days. Um, yeah, I just kind of. You know, when we're here, we're doing stuff every day. We don't have a whole lot of off days throughout this throughout the season, so I just kind of uh, repeat that a little bit uh, in the off season by doing my workouts and stuff, spending the time I would here doing work. Big thanks to Chance Adams, Yankees forty man roster guy, right handed starting pitcher for the Rail Riders, made his big league debut last season and generous with his time earlier this week. As we promised earlier in the show, and as we do every week, we cap this week with a look around the minors. We've got reports this week from the full complement of affiliates, Single A Charleston with Matt Dean, High A Tampa with Nick Flamia, Double A Trenton with John Moses, and Triple A Scranton-Wilkesbury with our very own Adam Marco. Without further ado, Matt Dean, take it away. With this look at the Charleston Riverdogs, I'm Matt Dean. 
The Riverdogs have been on a tear in the last week, winning five in a row, heading into Saturday night in Greenville and improving to 15 and 13 on the season. Leading the charge in the Riverdogs' offensive resurgence is the tooled-up catcher Josh Bro, who comes into Saturday night's contest riding a seven-game hitting streak where he's gone 13 for 31 at the plate with 15 runs batted in during that stretch, including his first multi-home run game of his pro career on Tuesday before adding another on Friday night. Here's the pitch. Swings and drives it high out to left center field. There's your coup de gras into the apartment buildings out beyond left center. Josh Bro with a shot out to the deepest part of the ballpark. A three-run home run. His third of the road trip. His fifth of the season. Bro's approach has been sound with runners in scoring position this year, a mentality that he's fostered as Charleston's primary cleanup hitter, even playing inside a hitter-friendly yard at Floor Field, complete with its own version of the big green monster in left. Bro is using an all-fields approach, even when he's locked in and blasting home runs. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a short porch, but the wall is really tall, so if you're thinking you're just going to yank everything, you're going to end up rolling over. So, I mean, you see my BP and stuff. Everything I do is to right field or center field. I don't really care about pulling the ball. I just, if it happens, it happens. With this look at the Riverdogs, I'm Matt Dean. With the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. The Tarpons have won four of their last six games, with Dermis Garcia homering in each of their last two victories. The 21-year-old enters Sunday with eight home runs and currently leads the Florida State League with 26 RBI in just 27 games. With his teammate Diego Castillo translating, Garcia expressed his thoughts on how his season is starting out. Everything, everything is really good. He is believing in the process and he's still working on some things about hitting. First-year hitting coach Joe Migliaccio elaborated on what Garcia has been working on this season. For him, improving his pitch recognition and his ability to swing at a strike um, needed to be worked on. And from day one, since I've met Dermis Garcia, he's, he's committed to improving that. And I think the results are they're, they're essentially showing the work that he's put in behind the scenes. And we're really trying to get him not to worry about the result, uh, but more so what he swings at and when he swings at. Because if he puts the barrel on the ball, it's going to be absolutely crushed. So at the end of the day, like how consistent can we get him to put his barrel on the ball and hit the ball in the air? Because he has so much power. It's it's absolutely elite power. Um, I think it's it's just the tip of the iceberg of ultimately who he's going to become as a baseball player. So it's going to be really fun to watch going forward uh, as his career starts to take off. With the Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. With the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. This week has had a pair of major storylines as the Thunder enters Sunday in first place in the Eastern Division at 16-10. and 10. Wednesday saw the addition of 19-year-old righty Davey Garcia to the rotation. The second youngest player in the Eastern League struck out 11 New Hampshire Fisher Cats, but walked a career-high five batters in four innings pitched. Garcia features a fastball in the low 90s, a devastating curveball, and a swing-and-miss changeup, though it was the fastball that was his best on Wednesday afternoon. Nine of the 11 strikeouts in Garcia's performance came on the heater, which became the game plan as the game went on. Garcia told reporters after the game he went to the fastball more often because he felt the opponent was looking for that devastating breaking ball. Garcia went on to acknowledge that he needs to attack the strike zone more in order to avoid the high walk total. 
However, the outing saw Garcia throw 61 of his 96 pitches for strikes. He's slated to take the ball again on Tuesday for the Thunder. Saturday night saw Yankees outfielder Clint Frazier join the Thunder on rehab assignment. Recovering from a minor tear in his left ankle suffered on April 23rd, Frazier went 1-for-3 with a walk, a stolen base, and a run scored in Trenton's 6-5 defeat last night. Frazier is slated to complete his rehab assignment Sunday, weather permitting in Harrisburg, and return to the Yankees' active roster on Monday. With the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. With this look at the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Railriders, I'm Adam Marco. Heading into play on Sunday, the Railriders have won four consecutive games including a 10-inning win on Saturday night. Nestor Cortez went seven and a third no-hit innings, saw his bid broken up with one out in the eighth. Syracuse tied the game on a home run from Carlos Gomez in the bottom of the ninth inning, and the Rail Riders scored two in the top half of the 10th inning to take the win. Earlier this week, we caught up with Chad Green, optioned by the New York Yankees on April 26th, and came back to AAA completely aware of what he needed to work on. Right now, I just get my mechanics back in sync. Um, I got a little off up there, and when you're trying to work on stuff in the big leagues, it can kind of go south, and that's what kind of happened. Um, just trying to work on too many things at one time, um, just trying to get back right. So hopefully get out there a couple times and uh, see where we're at. Is this something where you can see it on the video? Is it something where in the middle of the pitch you just know things aren't going right? Uh, both. It's like something that I've watched video and know something's off and just trying to correct it. Um, Really working with Phelps in the past couple of days here to to get it right. Just a few simple cues. Um, but yeah, I mean it's something that I can feel as well. I mean when I pitch, I know something's off. So, um, but yeah, just watching video, looking at video, knowing something's different, um, which is good because it, it means I got something to work on. That does it for us this week on a call away. I'm Adam Giardino, and we thank you so much for making us part of your week. If you want to make the Rail Riders Radio broadcast part of your week. You can catch us on the Rail Riders Radio Network, on the TuneIn Radio app, and on the MILB First Pitch app as well. On Twitter, you can find me. I'm at Adam Giardino, G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O. I'd love to hear from you. And if you don't already, please subscribe to this podcast so every week when we give our updates, it'll download straight to your phone. Big thanks to our guests, Brad Miller, Chance Adams this week. Big thanks to the voice of the Rail Riders, Adam Marco, for joining me on the broadcast banter portion of this show, and for Matt Dean, Nick Flamia, and John Moses around the system for sending in their reports. I'm Adam Giardino, and we will talk to you next week on A Call Away.